Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this podcast, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. That we are, James, and today we've got, I mean, a little bit of a doozy. Mm. Uh, We've got something that's following a pretty heavy scene. Um, It is, it is. And, you know, it doesn't, I mean, it's not like it suddenly takes a different term, but it's it's a different type of scene for sure. Yeah. Um, so let's start off with a previously on Timeline Scavengers. Yeah. <laughs> so previously on Timeline Scavengers, Cap and the Howling Commandos attempt to take Arnim Zola on the Hydra train, which is the Schnellzig EB, uh, the Schnellzig EB912. Hmm. Steve and Schnellzug Bucky are the fast train. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I guess it makes sense then. Uh, <laughs> Steve and Bucky are the first to go in, and they take out the agents aboard the train, but ends with Steve grieving as his friend and fellow soldier falls into the wintry scene below. Grieve Rogers. I'm sorry, I'm going to take, take that cleaner. Grieve Rogers. So today we are talking about Captain America, the first Avenger. One hour, 25 minutes and 29 seconds to one hour, 28 minutes and 25 seconds. And it goes a little something like the newsstand has a headline of war rages on in Europe, London burning. Wait, can I do it British? War rages on in Europe, London burning in it. Actually, you sounded a lot like that guy from uh, IT crowd that's also on what we do in the shadows. That's on TikTok trending now for oh, New York City. Yes, uh, Matt Berry, yeah. Yeah, you sounded like Matt Berry before War you did the British rages on in Europe, London burning, yeah. my sweet boy, my stinky soldier. I can't remember the, the exact lines of that one, but I I love that, that trending sound as well. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Arnim Zola, a little worse for wear, is deposited into an interrogation room. He looks around at the less than stellar amenities. His eyes widen when he lands on a spot of blood on the floor that has not been cleaned up from the previous tenant. The door opens and he jumps. Colonel Phillips enters and Zola cowers just a little bit. Phillips tells him to sit down. He puts down a tray containing a glass of milk, three broccoli florets, two baby yellow potatoes, one of them is cut in half, and a hefty cut of steak, which looks like probably at least eight ounces. There's a fork and knife and salt and pepper in the corner. Arnim Zola asks... What is this? Which, I mean, for a brilliant man, what a dumb question. Phillips tells him that it's steak. Arnim Zola says, uh, what's in it? Phillips tells him, cow. There is silence. And then Phillips asks him, doctor, do you realize how difficult it is to get a hold of a prime cut like that out here? Zola, pretty smugly, says, I don't eat meat. Phillips, kind of almost disgusted, says, why not? Arnhem, now not as smug, says, it disagrees with me. How about cyanide? Does that give you the rumbly tummy too? What a great line. Sorry, I know I'm supposed to be going through the scene, but God, that the way he hits that is so good. Does that give you the rumbly tummy too? Arnhem smiles very weakly. Phillips digs into the stake in front of him. Every Hydra agent we've tried to take alive has crunched a little pill before we could stop him, but not you. So here's my brilliant theory. You want to live. You're trying to intimidate me, Colonel. I bought you dinner, he says with incredulity. He slides a piece of paper to Zola and continues to eat. Arnhem reads it aloud, and it's a message about him giving full cooperation with the Allies and that he is being transferred to Switzerland. 
Phillips tells him that he sent that message to Washington this morning. I said that really. Phillips tells him that he sent that message to Washington this morning. Of course, it was encoded. You guys haven't broken those codes, have you? That would be awkward. Zola says, Schmidt will know this is a lie. Phillips tells him, he's going to kill you anyway, Doc. You're a liability. You know more about Schmidt than anyone. And the last guy you cost us was Captain Rogers' closest friend, so I wouldn't count on the very best protection. It's you or Schmidt. It's just the hand you've been dealt. Zola says that Schmidt believes he walks in the footsteps of the gods. Only the world itself will satisfy him. You do realize that's nuts, don't you? What? The sanity of the plan is of no consequence. And why is that? Because he can do it. What's his target? His target is everywhere. Phillips pauses and thinks on that. So I do want to say one final thing about this moment, just because I didn't want to interrupt myself but on this one, but I love the way that Winzola says, he walks in the footsteps of the gods. Phillips gives a little, hmm, like, oh, wow, very interesting. You know, like wow. that thing you do when you're like someone that you're trying to stop a conversation with for like over five minutes, keeps talking like, oh, hmm, hmm. <laughs> just like the way he like very just swats it away like, oh, yeah, interesting, buddy. Yeah, okay. Uh, very, very funny. So, James, thoughts yeah. on this scene? I have some. Yes. And here they are. Uh, I actually think that Zola looks uh, pretty trim. Like, he's not in his suit. Mm-hmm. And I never noticed. Well, he's in his, like, shirt tails. Right. And I was like, wow, he looks really skinny. I had thought about that, too. I, I think it's the, the the clothes that he wears makes him yes. look chunkier than he is and yep. like it's not that i think that he was fat or anything like that to be no. very clear like um i just it feel like it's, younger too yeah it really does it's it's I, it also i think it's also just like i don't know what the word for it. i think it's you know because he's not as businessy yes once once you're like because i feel like whenever when someone's in casual wear they never look quite as like old i guess because i think we assume like uh, like the kind of businessy, not casual, uh, dressy mm-hmm. look to be an older, refined look. So yeah. it does it does sort of uh, make him look younger. But what's interesting is that he looks more stressed than ever. Sure, he puts on his glasses in the very only German glasses in in World War II had the like you literally like plaster them onto mm-hmm. your face. Like they um, barely are on there. Yeah, exactly. They are holding on tight. I think his business, his stage business of looking around the room is absolutely masterful. It really is. Oh, it, that, like, it's so good. And I have a theory. Yes. That's not real blood. Oh, I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's like a little droplet of paint or something like that. You I, know? I like to think that Phillips is standing outside the door, watching him look around the room, and then waiting for him to see the blood, and then he comes in. You know, I, like, I guarantee you, it's, it, here's what happened. He probably, before he cooked up that steak or had someone else cook it up for him, he probably went into that yeah. room and just held it and just squeezed a little bit, dropped some of the blood, then walked in and was like, all right, cook this up, right? And then he stood in that interrogation because there's that, you know, glass yeah. panel. And he's that definitely just there. sitting there going, and now, got it. Yeah. Like, he was just waiting. He was going, keep Absolutely. it under the heat lamp. Don't worry about it. Just keep it going. I Quick, have bring been... it in, bring it in. <laughs> go, go, go. No, wait, hold on. Okay, now go. Um, I have been imagining this meal because we talked. We've talked about it. We sort of, yeah. but we haven't like covered it. 
mm-hmm. I had in my head, like if you had taskmastered me, draw the meal in this scene. Yeah. And I had had some sort of perfect transference of what's in my head to the paper sort of art skills. I pictured mashed potatoes, a bigger cut of beef. The broccoli was like five, six florets. They were bright green. I was picturing a tasty, tasty looking meal. And then he puts that down. I'm like, I mean, that's more realistic, but that is shockingly different from what I have had in my head that's for several months now. Because in my <laughs> head, I knew that the rest of it didn't look great. I think the meat is actually surprisingly larger. This that sounds weird, but I think that the steak rather is surprisingly larger than I think you think it is. Because like when I looked at that, right. I was like, that's a pretty good cut of meat. Yeah. Because I feel like the amount of times I've made a steak and it's come out, you know, because obviously you lose some size as you cook it down and stuff like that. I was like, that's a that's a good cut. But like yeah. the fact that like the potatoes are very clearly just like boiled. Yeah. And there's like no seasoning. Yeah. Same with the the broccoli and it's just a couple little florets. Yeah. Like he doesn't even that touch broccoli those. Broccoli is like when I make the florets. Yeah. Like when I make broccoli. <laughs> right. Because you're, like, you're going, I want as little as possible also, please. No, I love broccoli. Oh, I do just you? do oh. it wrong. Oh. I just, oh, and oh, just by the way, here's here's where I stand on this. Um, I don't like steak all that much, which is a pretty privileged position to be coming from. You know what? Hang and on. I, Tell you what, James, should we move over to Marvelous? Um. Before we get into thoughts on me, the full meal, well, let, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Just I have um, a theory about uh, Zola's smugness, and uh, a, a quick thing to say about uh, something else that Philip says that struck me weird when you were saying it. The smugness has to do with the meal. Should I say it before or after? Marvelous. Uh, let's say it before. Okay. I never thought about this before. And you, you telling me the synopsis of that uh, put the other piece into place. I never thought about the idea that Zola thinks that the steak is poisoned. So he says, what is this? It's steak. What's in it? Cow. That's a funny Tommy Lee Jones line. Right. Very it funny. really is. Yeah. What he means is cyanide. So then Tommy Lee Jones starts to eat the steak, which right. is the only good thing looking thing on the, on the plate. Right. Zola has already said I don't eat meat like Hitler, and like Hitler, he does eat meat. He just did it for, I don't want to take that poison. Right. So then he's all like, I don't eat meat. It disagrees with me. So then we have a discussion with Tommy Lee Jones. I'm, I don't know why I'm getting all like 90s, like Maury Povich on you, but like. Yeah, you're getting so very sassy right now. Because <laughs> I'm just so excited that this is, I love when I figure out subtext without having to ask my wife. Um. Th- He's eating the steak, proving that it's not poisoned, and discussing poisoning right? in a way that's like, we're not going to kill you. In fact, we're going to keep you alive, and because that's the, the liability. Because yeah. also, like, the other guys will do it. We don't need to. Yeah, you know? exactly. But I also, what I also think is very interesting, because the way that I took the, the or the way that I interpreted it, was that I believe that he does eat meat, or sorry, does not eat meat, rather, actually, uh, I, I did think it was very weird. I mean, again, I made a joke about being like, wow, for a brilliant guy. Like, clearly he knows what steak is. Um, but, like, it's just that thing of, like, they got into this weird little, like, it's a weird chemistry. I think each one trying to f- feel the other one out a little bit. But in my head, I was thinking it would be such a, for lack of a better term, like a perfect 
and when I say perfect, I don't mean like actually like, oh, I'm a perfect person, right? But I mean like think about how this is someone who is a part of an evil organization who will not, you know, feel bad about using human labor and uh, and uh, experimenting on people and stuff like that, right? Like he views the people as being lower than like cuts of meat that he, you know what I mean? Like, cause he looks at animals and goes, Oh, I, I wouldn't do animal cruelty. Uh, but I will like, you know, these people, they're below even the cows. Right. So I'll, you know, like that to me, like that felt like a, a thing where it was like, say, like showing that like, okay, yeah, he, it's like, it, it makes it seem even worse now how he treats those people. Cause like right. he's putting like barnyard animals above even human lives kind of thing, you know? Absolutely. And like, you know, like I said, uh, I, I did do just like two, three weeks ago. I was like, wait, Hitler was vegetarian, right? And the, uh, the propaganda was that he was vegetarian and the actuality was he was absolutely not. So the hypocrisy of that translating this is mm. similar to the hypocrisy of he's a quarter Jewish, bl- brown hair, brown eyes, Hitler. Right. And that he's like blonde hair, blue eyes, really tall, buff, you know, beefy men right. are what are going to take over. Meanwhile, and Zola is sort of similar where he's like, he has clearly like vision problems. Right. He's, you know, kind of, you know. Scrawny. I mean, he's. he's I was going to say scrawny, but like he's a, he's, you know, a poindexter. He has, he has his nose in the book all the time. And like. I mean, he's a short guy, which I yeah. don't think is a, a it's wrong like, to point yeah, that. Wrong you know, with it. Right. Just sort of like a defect in the gene pool. Um, no. That's what okay. you're saying. You're no, because I'm short, so don't that's not do that. But uh, no, I hate short I, people. Nope, that's weird. Um, I, 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 what was I saying? Uh, Rangers. Um, but also, it makes me think of the way that Phillips sort of reminds him that like we don't have to kill you; they'll come and kill you. Like they, they actually don't care about you whatsoever, right? Like you gave them all the tools that they already need. Your right. reliability at this point. But also, like, the idea of, like, you know when you see, like, a movie where, let's say, uh, like, an alien overlord is coming to take over the planet, and there's always, like, a human who makes themselves, like, subservient to them right. to be like, maybe they will spare me if I help them with their cause. I, for one, welcome our new alien, our new ant overlord. Yes, exactly. I mean, like, that's yeah. exactly what it is, right? So I think that, like, that's also what Zola is like, right? Like, he knows that he's not the oh, exact yeah. image of what, the, but, like, if he can provide them with these things, then they're going to spare him. They're going to make him, you know, they're going to view him just as highly as these other people. Right. Simply because he has this other trait that makes him redeemable. Uh, and-, and then... But then but once he's no longer redeemable in their eyes, he goes back to being this Poindexter and like this useless liability. Let's get into Marvelous. Yeah, let's let's go to Marvelous. So, James, uh, what yeah. we have on the plate today, just to go mm. over it one more time, steak, probably about eight ounces, two little baby yellow potatoes, and some broccoli. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have this tonight before recording? We, I did not. Mm. I... Historically, I ate a lot of steak growing up in an environment where it was like, eat it or don't leave the table. It sort of soured me on steak, and I never really eat steak unless, like, 
I'm at someone's house and that's what we're having for dinner and right. that's just what's on the table. At which point I revert back to child James and I will eat it and whatever. But I would never, I haven't ever bought steak for myself or my family to eat or make uh, as an as an adult. So, and so like not even like a steak quesadilla kind of thing or steak fajita. We did have like, tacos tonight. And so I did have some ground beef. And I was thinking, as I made the ground beef, I was like, I was like, this is, I was, I was thinking of this segment. I was like, this is basically steak. I was like, no, James, no, it's not. This is ground beef. That's why you can order ground beef right. or steak. Or steak. When like you, at Chipotle. So right. like. <laughs> um. So, okay. So I did. Yes. Okay. Uh, I did not have time to make uh, potatoes. Uh, I, I just got started on my meal way too late. And mm-hmm. so by the time I was actually getting stuff going, I was like, I've, I've got a time crunch. Um, but I don't know exactly how they made theirs. I'm assuming theirs was done like either in a pan or uh, in the oven because there doesn't seem to be any like real strong st- uh, sear marks on it per se. Right. Tony Stark um, invented the microwave. Yeah. Uh, I... You know, growing up, we didn't have steak a crazy amount, Mm -hmm. but we had it often enough. And when I was really young, I was not convinced that I liked it. Uh, And I think part of that is because when I was really young, everything in our house was like well done because that was what my mom wanted. Um, And so especially if my mom made it, it was going to be well done for everybody. Um, If my dad made it, as I got older, he got better about like doing what people's preferences are. Yeah. But like, I just think about how many times I've had meat at the dinner table of any fashion when I was younger and it was just dry because it was cooked, you know, so solidly. And like, I'm not saying every meal was like that to be very clear. Cause you know, there were many meals that I had as a child that I loved and you know were endearing to me. Hi, um, Colin's mom. Yeah, hi, mom. Uh, but I, I think about like also part of it is also like preference in cuts of steak as well. Mm-hmm. My dad would frequently get these cuts of steak that were his favorites, that were very fatty, like mm-hmm. like very marbled and stuff like that. And like I don't do well with a lot of gristle. Me um, I'm not the kind of person that can can do that, but I also understand. I'm now wondering that, if that's what my dad did too. Yeah, and I think that's another thing for me, right? Is that like I don't have steak that often because if I'm gonna have steak, I'm gonna have a cut that's a little bit of a finer cut, and that also means it's more expensive. Uh, but that is what I did today. I got a fillet and I popped that sucker on the um, uh, on the on the grill because, of course, mm. I did. Yeah. Um, and uh, I did almost genuinely, uh, genuinely, I almost did the letter Kenny uh, edition. Hang on, let me write, let me go to what I did. Uh, when I grill, I, te- I typically don't do a lot of seasoning on steaks right. um, just because I'm getting so, I want to keep as much of the charcoal and, uh, and or wood flavor if I'm, you know, and I'm usually not smoking, but I sometimes still put a little bit of like just one or two chunks of wood in there just to get that like smoky flavor in there. Um but like, you know what I mean? Like, I I want to get that flavor more than like garlic powder. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did um, just S and P, uh, a little over four Standards minutes. And yeah, uh, no salt and pepper. Uh, I, I did it for it was actually about six minutes, which I flipped every minute for the first uh, like four minutes or so, and then I just just to kind of get those good grill marks. 
Um, and then I, I have the meat thermometer in it. Uh, I think that I, I normally try to get the grill up to 400. It was uh, actually a little hotter than that. So I was sort of like searing the outside, but the inside wasn't really cooking. So I had to kind of push it to the edge a little bit, try and get it cooked a little bit more on the inside. Um, and then I will say, though, if I do it indoors uh, on like a stove, I do the sort of age-old way, the sort of like Gordon Ramsay and like all those other folks do. Put it in a skillet, sear the outside, lower the heat, butter, thyme, garlic, uh, and just you know spoon it over until it's done internally. Let it rest, and then it's dinner time, baby. Um, but I, one... I love a good steak and potato dinner. To be very clear, I wish that we like had a scavengers net compound. Like, I agree. this is a situation where like. I would eat it. If you and I had sat down for an marvelous pre-record meal, mm-hmm. a, a classic M-M-P-R-M, M-P-R-M, pre-record being separated into two words and not right. hyphenated. Hyphenated, yeah. I would eat it, and, and that sounds great. That sounds delicious. And I also was thinking while you were t- describing that, God, hamburgers are just about as 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 complicated as I can get. Like with, oh, like a, with oh, like me grill moving stuff around and like, you know, oh, I need to move the, the inside isn't blah, blah, blah. Like I just, in the past two or three years, yeah. I've realized like, if you get a warm pink center, you're good. On yeah. The oh, same. Yeah. And to, for the, what's funny to me is that like, I struggle with, if I ever uh, am home and I'm making burgers for my family, I sometimes frequently struggle with getting the burgers right for my mom because like, mm-hmm internal like in my head every time i see it starting to cook to be well done it does mean that the outside's going to be a little more charred and like you know grilled but like i start to see that and my brain goes no that's not right right but like the problem is that it's no that's not right for me you mean but like i struggle with that and so the amount of times where i've had to cook something and then my mom's like can you put this back on the thing like sorry yep i will Um, for a bit Fourth of July, we made hot dogs and, and burgers uh, mm-hmm. for my uh, my mother in law and her wife and our family. And my mother in law was like, "I like my hot dogs done, like yeah, burnt to a crisp." And I was like, "I believe, wow, Colin, I think I'm going to use this in the correct context, and I'm going to feel so young." I was like, "All right, bet, let's do it. Okay. I will cook this until it is." fucking burned and then she tapped out before i was satisfied that it was burned and i was like oh i thought you liked it uh you know like super charred yeah and so that's a real fun vibe to bring to the fourth of july but um yeah good 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 going James. yeah just like you know i my own personal revolution <laughs> now i ain't gonna lie to you the boys done and messed up they went off on a tangent and just derailed the entire show let's get back on track shall we tangents anyway i i've i've talked way too much about grilling but i just i my whole thing is is to kind of bring it all back to the marvelous ending uh-huh, i i really do enjoy a good steak and potato dinner um me too i i really i really love that um i think that like if you i mean a baked potato is good but there is something that's so good about like getting some um baby red potatoes and yellow potatoes and just sort of, you know, cubing them up. Not even, not cubing, sorry. Like quartering them 
Right. So they're pretty small, you know, uh, a little oil, some seasoning, uh, and toss them on like a sheet pan, put them in the oven for a while. Right. And getting like a nice crisp on like the edge of them, you know, flip them, you know, maybe once halfway through uh, and stuff like that. And like maybe a little bit of caramelized onion, not in the same thing. I mean, like as another side to that. Great, great meal. I've I've made that hundreds of times. Uh, really can't go wrong with that kind of dish. Love yeah. it very much. Mm. I mean, and like, yeah, I, I, sometimes I'm like, I wish that I had had a different sort of relationship with with that kind of meal because like it sounds tasty i mean like you know incapable hands and you know whatever it sounds great someday what we'll do is is when this show goes on tour uh inevitably Inevitably. and when we inevitably do a live show in myrtle beach okay there's a place called new york prime that legitimately has the best steak I've ever had in my entire life. And we'll go there and we'll get a steak. And then even if you don't like it, I will finish yours. Uh, <laughs> but there's also so many good sides there that you can't go wrong. You know, like you'll feel, you'll have a good meal no matter what. Like right. we'll go to, we'll go to New York prime and we go on tour cause we're definitely going, uh, it's, it's, it's happening. It's gotta happen sometime soon. I, I feel okay. it. I'm feeling it. Perfect. We're gonna have that big boom, and then the requirements of we want to hear you talk about Toby Maguire on a stage for thirty-five minutes or whatever, right. um, or probably longer or whatever. And speaking of tour and live shows, this is gonna be how I end my part of the thing, and then James can do an outro here. James can throw the kid in the river. Uh-huh. Uh, but at this point, we will have just finished up performing at the Scavengers Network Indie Podcast Showcase. Uh, if you're listening to this episode on the 19th, it was just a couple days ago. Uh, so you can still catch the video on demand on the twitch.tv slash the scavengers network. Um, and if not, we're going to be putting out um, any of our live episodes. We're going to be doing something with them, like any kind of bonus episodes that happen outside of the MCU timeline. We're going we're, we're gonna to figure it out. Like it'll either be just on Patreon um, or potentially like we'll probably do something like make a, a feed for the alternate timeline scavengers maybe right um yeah we're gonna we're gonna we're you're you're gonna be able to find that episode no matter what uh so never fear uh and if you were in snips in, like in the audience uh, we hope you enjoyed the show yeah uh hit us up on twitter and let us know what your favorite part of the show was Absolutely. and uh with that james Let's throw the kid in the river. If you would like to talk to us um, about your favorite ways of of cooking uh, steak, but also I'd love to hear some good potato and broccoli preparation recipes. Um, no cyanide, thank you. But um, that's just me. I don't. I don't personally eat cyanide. You know, no judgment. But um, please, you can hit up the show at Timeline Scav. Uh, you can uh, check out all the shows on our network on our uh, network, the Scavengers Network's Twitter ha- feed. Our network, the Scavengers <laughs> Network's Twitter. F- I fucking did it again. Twitter handle, uh, which is at Scavengers Net. Um, if you want to talk to Colin about how he's doing on grilling the hot dogs that are his social media posts, that'll be a very confusing thing that you could send to where, Colin? Uh, at Colin M. Parker. Colin M. Parker, but there's only one M. Um, mm-hmm. So, mm. uh, if you oh. want to talk... 
<laughs> if you want to talk to me about uh, how the uh, eat this uh, or else you can't leave uh, mindset of up, of certain children's upbringings has led to I don't like to eat any of these foods that are uh, universally or at least sort of largely renowned as uh, luxurious and, and expensive things. You can hit me up at Unabashed James because that has been my experience with a number of dishes. Privilege through trauma is a great thing to think about because it makes you feel bad in two different ways. Colin, that is going to do it for us for today. Also, listener, same. <laughs> um, as always, I am completely coherent and also James Anderson. And I am, as always, totally normal, Colin M. Parker. Uh, what is this? It's, uh, it's Timeline Scavengers. What's in it? Excelsior. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven, community-focused, treasured content.